Our God is an awesome God. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. If you would open your Bibles with me, please, to the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 15. The Gospel of John, chapter 15, and verse 1. When you got it, say so. The word of the Lord says, I am the true vine, my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned." If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Father, we thank you so much for your great grace today. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence that is in this place. And we thank you, God, for being with us as we have lifted your name up, Lord God, for hearing the worship of our hearts that have come before your throne, God. We thank you for all that you desire to do in our lives. And today, Spirit of the living God, I just ask you that even as you are here now, that you would speak to us, my God, that you would reveal yourself to us, Lord God, in deep ways. And Lord God, that through your word today, Lord God, through the video today, through all that will go on today, Lord God, that you will give our hearts, Lord God, the revelation of your will and your purposes in our lives, God. I pray that we would not just be hearers of your word, but that we would be doers of it, Lord God. May you be lifted up. May you be glorified in us, Lord God. And we pray all these things in Jesus' great name. Someone said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you do not have an outline, would you raise your hand for us? We want to make sure that everyone has an outline in the building. There's a good purpose for these outlines. If you read in the back of the outlines, you'll find there that it talks about our connect groups. And so during the Christmas holiday for the last couple of weeks, um, our connect groups have not been meeting, but we will be meeting in January. And so what we do is we discuss the sermons. And so we want you to be able to participate in these discussions. And it is a lot easier if you write down notes while you're sitting through the sermon. You also have the opportunity to listen to the sermon on our podcast. So you can hear it there as well. But the reason for the outline is so you can write notes and when you go to your connect group that you can sit down and you can um, communicate the things that you learned or the things that the Lord um, dealt with you on. And so I want to make sure that you do that. So make sure you have an outline there. And if you are not part of a connect group, please see Pastor Chad who would love to get you connected. Amen. All right, so we are here in the book of John chapter 15, and today is the last Sunday of the year. And so what I wanted to do was I wanted to share with you some things that the Lord has been putting in my heart. And so John chapter 15 gives us a good platform to do that. And through these scriptures here, we're going to learn some things. But if you follow with me in your outline, as we come to the close of 2014, looking back upon our year individually and collectively, we can probably all agree that there were some victories and some defeats some accomplishments and some shortcomings and some fulfilled expectations as well as some unexpected occurrences. And so I don't know about your year, what it was like, but I know that there were some areas that I was like, yes, I did it. I got through that. I made it. It was exactly how I planned. And then there were other things that I was like, man, I guess I'm going to try that again next year. I put that on my resolution list for next year. There's just some things that happened in, in, in my life that were totally unexpected. I mean, a good example, small example. Uh, the other morning, I got up um, two days ago, and my car is relatively new, and I get in the car, and I hit the ignition switch, and it wouldn't start. I was like, what in the devil? Hello? 
right? Like, what is wrong with this vehicle? And it was an unexpected situation that happened. And so in all of our lives, we have those moments that are unexpected. And sometimes there's bigger things. There's people that lost jobs this year. Hello. People that found themselves in difficult situations. And so what happened is we realized that some things occurred that we didn't expect. And so what we want to do is this. One thing is we want to recognize this, the second paragraph there. One thing is for certain. God has been at work in the midst of all of this year's happenings. Can someone say amen to that? In the midst of everything that has gone on, God has been at work. God is working. God never, you know, one thing that happens is no matter, what, no matter how shocked you may be about something, God is never shocked. God never, God's throne never shakes, right? He's never rocked like, oh my goodness, like something is going on. That, that never occurs to the God that we serve. And so we should be able to rest in that reality that no matter how things come in our life, our God is still sitting on the throne. The throne is still solid. The foundation is still right. And our God is still larger and in charge, amen? And he's working through the midst of all of those things. In the midst of your accomplishments, he was working. In the midst of your failures, he's working. I'm not saying he made you fail. Hello. I'm not even saying he threw the curveball at you. But what I am saying is that in the midst of all, God is at work. And we as his children can rest in that. And we can revel in that reality. And so continuing on in the outline here, around the end of October, as I was seeking the Lord for his direction in the preaching for the new year, the Lord began to impress upon my heart that we had been fruitful up until now, but it was time for pruning to bring forth more fruit. And one thing that happened to me is that the Lord confirmed this word a, a few weeks later through our sister Sarah Martinez, who texted me mid-November with the same exact message. And finally, the thing that brought it all together for me in our last connect of the year, in my connect, I don't know what happened in your connect, but in our connect, um, as we were discussing, discussing Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20 on spiritual warfare, which was the last message that I preached in the Ephesians series, our Walk Worthy series series, many of our group members began to confess how the Lord was pruning and purging them. And so the beauty of this is that we have this amazing reality of what God is doing in our hearts, right? He's working in us. And so we want to give him glory. We want to give him honor. We want to look at our year and, and what's going on in this year. And I'll come back and I'll finish up. That was awesome, right? Can we give another hand to the, the Guzmans? To put that together, I appreciate that. And um, as we, as we, the reason why I wanted to play that video now as opposed to the end of the service is because I know I had your full attention, amen? And I don't think we get to appreciate, you know, the, the work that goes into the videos and really what's there. And when you see that video, I mean, for me, I see fruit, amen? I see ministry, I see people's lives that are being ministered to and transformed. And so when the Lord begins to speak to me and starts telling me about pruning, how many of y'all want to hear pruning? Nobody wants to hear pruning, do they? Have you ever seen a, a tree after it's pruned? Just think about that for a moment. You ever seen a plant after it's pruned? I mean, there's nothing there but like some branches, right? But the beauty of it is, is that we know that that's not the end of the story, Amen. And when I say that about the pruning, it occurred to me this morning, especially as I was thinking about the message, that either today or last Sunday is going to be the last Sunday that Mars Hill Church in Seattle, Washington is going to be together. And for those of you that don't know, Seattle, Washington was impacted greatly by this church that was over 10,000 members. They had over like 10 different campuses. And toward the latter part of the year, all of a sudden, this same pruning process began to take place. Because here's the thing, it's a time not just for us to be pruned pruned, but for the body of Christ to be pruned. Why? Because God wants to bring forth more fruit. God wants to see his name glorified through us, and he's glorified through what? Through us bearing fruit. And so looking at the last, um, the last uh, um, paragraph there in your outline, and considering this portion of scripture, we should understand that God's work in our lives is really about the fruit, which is what the title of this message is. God is glorified as we bear fruit, as it witnesses to his life being lived through us. The reason why God the Father is glorified is because the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of his life is manifested in us. And when our lives are bearing fruit to the witness of the kingdom of God, to the witness of the power of the resurrection, to the witness of the reality of the gospel, God is glorified because every time someone sees the fruit in our lives, they are really looking at what? The work of God. 
They're looking at God working in our lives. They're looking at God working through us. Therefore, the Father is glorified when, when what? When we are bearing fruit in all the areas of our life. We're going to discuss what this fruit is. Consequently, here's the thing. Pruning, while painful, is necessary. Someone say amen. And of the utmost importance, what I want you to understand is that pruning in and of itself is not a negative thing, but a God thing, a biblical thing, and a good thing. When we look at the term pruning, we think automatically to the negative side of pruning, but there is a positive side to it. And what is it? Well, we see here in the text, what? We see that God the Father is the vine dresser, and he is the one who is doing the pruning, so that makes pruning a good thing. Say it's a good thing. So today, we will look at three roles, three responsibilities, and three overall purposes that are there that we find within these 11 verses in this scripture. And the first thing that I would ask you to repeat after me as the first point is this. Say, we must recognize the role of the vine. We must recognize the role of the vine. And if we look at verse 1, Jesus is speaking here to his disciples in the upper room after having washed their feet. And he says to them, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. So you go down to verse 5. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. And so Jesus makes it clear. He says he is the vine, meaning that he is the root or the source of the spiritual life and virtue that all born-again believers are privy to. The moment that we put our faith in Jesus, we become connected to him who is this vine. He is the root. He is the source of life. And so we are connected to him, all of us as believers, and we're privy to this life of God. Hear this. It is in our union with Jesus that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, and thus empowered with the abundant life that Jesus came to give. Let me say that again. It is in our union with Jesus that we are filled with the Holy Spirit and thus empowered with the abundant life that Jesus came to give. Understand this, the moment that you come to Jesus, and so if you are walking with Jesus, the moment that you came to him, you could not come to him without the Spirit of God coming to you, amen? Without the Spirit of God coming to dwell in you, without the Spirit of God making you what we call born again, giving you new life, that doesn't occur if you don't come, if, if, when you come to Jesus, that occurs simultaneously. And so we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive God's life in us, and so we're not waiting for abundant life. If you've come to Jesus, you have abundant life. Now, when we think about abundant life, a lot of times we start thinking about all kind of natural stuff. Like, you know, we start thinking about the house. That, well, my house don't look abundant. Hello. My car don't look abundant. My clothing don't look abundant. My bank account definitely don't look abundant, especially the week after Christmas. Hello. So there seems to be an, a, a, mis, a, mis, a, mis, a disconnect, should I say, because there's not this abundance. But listen, abundant life is not talking about the things that we have. It is about the one that we know. This abundant life is this real life that we have the moment that we come to Jesus and God begins working in us and he wants to work out his life and his will so we can experience the abundance of his love, the abundance of his grace, the abundance of his mercy, experience the abundance of who he is. That's what it means when Jesus says he is the vine. And so I want to continue because it's important to note until this point, and, and, and when I say this point, until this point when Jesus is making this declaration and he's talking about himself being the vine, this is the seventh of the, of the I am's in, in the book of John. And so this is the last one that he communicates because this is right before he's going to the cross. But what he communicates here is he says, I am the vine or I am the true vine. Say true vine. Because up until this point, Israel was depicted as the vine. In other words, you could not come to God. You could not experience God's will. You could not experience God's life if you were not, what, converted to Judaism. If you did not become a proselyte, if you were a person who was a Gentile, not a Jew by birth, well, you had to be circumcised in the flesh. You had to decide that you were going to follow the Mosaic law. And so you literally had to become part of Israel. And so when Jesus says, I am the true vine, what he is communicating is he is letting everyone know, hold on a second, Israel is no longer the vine, no longer the source, because Jesus had to come through Israel. Now hear me now, Jesus was very much Jewish. He came through the line. That's the reason, that's the reason why they were known as the vine up until this point. So he had to come through because that life came through there. But when Jesus comes on the scene, now he offers everyone access to this vine. 
He offers everyone access to this life. And so it's important to note that Jesus destroyed the, the idea. But here's something that I want you to hear as well. Because up until that point, the idea was that Israel was the vine. Jesus says, I am the, I, I am the true vine. I am the true source of life. And so when he communicates this, we, we realize that he deal, deals with the situation in those days. But in our days, there's some similar mindsets. See, there are certain mindsets that have crept into the church, and I don't know how this happens after Jesus on the scene, but it does, and is the idea that many believers have bought into that the church or a particular church is somehow the vine, meaning this, that the union with a particular church somehow keeps us connected to Jesus. Are you hearing me? See, there's some people, and, and, and listen, this goes from Catholicism to the Protestant movement as well. Like, if you're not part of this church... You're not really connected to Jesus. Well, if you leave this church, you're really not connected to Jesus. You're, you're going to walk out of blessing into a curse. Hold on a second. Is that biblical? Is that truth? Is that what the Bible teaches? Absolutely not. What the Bible teaches us is Jesus is the true vine. So the number one and first connection that I need to have, that you need to have, is to what? To a church or to Jesus? It's to Jesus. I'm glad y'all are talking to me, glory to God. It is to Jesus we must be connected to Christ, the vine. Because here is the truth. It is from the vine that all of the church gets its life. It is from the vine Jesus. And what is important is that the body of Christ remains connected to the vine. And the beauty of this is that God will keep us connected within the body of Christ as a result of us being part of the vine. The problem is there are some people, I mean, I had a conversation with someone that I love very dearly. And, they were, and, and I was explaining to them, you know, some of the issues that some people have with leaving, you know, certain denominations and things like that. And, and I, I, was, I didn't think this person was struggling with that. And they were like, yeah, that's me. Because all their life they've been taught a certain way. They've been taught a certain mindset that if you're not part of this church, you're going to hell. If you leave this church, you're going to hell. Hold on a second. That, is, that isn't what Jesus said. That isn't what Jesus communicated. That is called bondage. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you this. That is called Jesus plus something else getting you to heaven. So it is not Jesus plus the church that gets you to heaven. Oh, we need one another. Say we need one another. That is factual. Don't be thinking that there, there are no, there's no such thing as those Lone Ranger Christians. I'm just going to be by myself, just me and Jesus. That's not Jesus. Hello. Gee, I, I, would, I would have to, you may be hurt for a moment and may need to go through some changes, but here's the thing. At some point, Jesus is going to reconnect you with his church. All right? So we need one another for sure, but what I am telling you is that you don't need faith to go to heaven. You need Jesus to go to heaven. And so it's important for us to get that mindset, that we have that mindset, that Jesus communicates that he is the true vine. So his role is what? He is the source of life. He is the giver of life. He is the one that gives us this life. And so our union with Jesus is a living union so that we may bear fruit. It is a loving union so that we may enjoy him. And it is a lasting union so that we may not need to be afraid. It is a loving union so we can enjoy Jesus. Listen, we're not just connected to some vine like, you know, in, 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 a, in, a, in a way that we don't experience the real fruit of relationship. Jesus loves us and wants us to be connected with him in a loving way, in a lasting way, and he wants us to be connected with him in a living way so that way we can bear the fruit that he calls us to bear. Second thing I ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, we must reverence the role of the vine dresser. We must reverence the role of the vine dresser. Look at verse 1, and, verse, and, and we'll look at verse 2. Verse 1 says, I am the true vine, and my father, say, my father is the vine dresser. My father is the vine dresser. Look at verse 2. It says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, who is he? The father. He takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he, the Father, prunes that it may bear more fruit. It's funny because when you look here, it says every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he starts with the negative. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch in me that does bear fruit, so you have branches that are unfruitful, 
You have branches that are fruitful, and then you have branches that are more fruitful. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But notice that he says here, he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And some writers, they differ on what that takes away means. Some of them take it to mean that he just takes it away and, you know, is referring later on where we talk about him throwing it into the fire. We'll look at that in a moment. And others take it to mean that word because it also means to lift up, that literally what the vine dresser does is he repositions the branches, and that way they have opportunity to bear fruit. Are you hearing me? See, because of God's mercy, I would go with the second one because it's starting off saying that the branches that don't bear fruit, it's not like God doesn't care about them. God wants them to bear fruit. And so the opportunity is there for them to do that because he lovingly puts his hands on them. He lovingly communicates with them. And so he lifts them up and that way they have the opportunity to bear fruit here. And then the next verse that we'll look at is verse 8. And verse 8 says, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. And so we see here that Jesus is the source and sustenance of our lives as believers, and the Father is the one who protects, tends to, and prunes the branches. And let me tell you something here. The vine dresser prunes the branches in two ways. Now hear me when I say this. This is why I say pruning is not always negative. He cuts away, this this starts off negative, he cuts away dead wood, say dead wood, Right, dead wood or dead branches that can breed disease and insects. So the first part of the pruning is the negative one. It's the stuff that is obvious. When you look at a plant, I mean, obviously these are, these are fake plants, so there's nothing dead here. But if you were looking at real plants, you would start to see leaves that were a little bit discolored or withering. And so you would know, you know what, I need to prune there. I need to cut there because if not, then it's going to continue to fester throughout this plant. But what happens is God the Father does the same thing. There are some things that are really clear and really easy for us to recognize. But here's something else. This is the second way that he does this. He also cuts away living tissue. Say living tissue. Now, so, so he, he cuts away things that seem like they belong. Are you here? He cuts away things that seem good. They're not dead, but they don't. if they remain there, there's going to be a problem. And what's the problem here? He says he cuts away living tissue so that the life of the vine will not be so dissipated or separated, right, or spread out that the quality of the crop is jeopardized. In fact, the vine dresser will even cut away whole bunches of grapes so that way the rest of the crop will be of higher quality. God wants both quantity and quality. So when we look at God's work in our lives, we must realize that God doesn't just want us to just have a bunch of fruit because, see, here's the thing, church, and let's be honest with ourselves. When we look at the United States of America and we look at how many people profess to be Christians in our day, do you think that the fruit of the United States of America is indicative of that many Christians? No. Why? There's a problem here. See, there is some level of fruit there because these people have some level of understanding of the Bible. I'm not saying they're real Christians, but what I am saying is that they have some knowledge of their need for Jesus. They have some knowledge of their need to, you know, identify themselves as being Christians. But the problem is that their lives have not been pruned the way that they should. Therefore, the fruit is not quality fruit. And what God wants from the church is he wants quality fruit. He doesn't just want quantity fruit. He doesn't just want, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when you go and, and, and when fruit is out of season, like, have you ever tried to buy a fruit that is out of season? I'm just saying, like, you ever try to do that? You go and buy a fruit that's out of season and they don't, you know, whatever the fruit may be, if it's strawberries, we'll use strawberries, for example, you go to buy strawberries when they're out of season and first of all, you'll notice the packaging gets smaller, Right? And then also you'll notice the color is a little bit different, right? And then the worst thing of all is the taste is just, mm, right? Because strawberries aren't always sweet, but out of season, they're even more bitter. Are you here? Right? And so the point is, it's the same situation. See, sometimes we are like that. We, we, we look like, you know, it's all fruit in our lives and everything is all good. And it seems like from the outside, like everything's okay. Like that marriage looks okay on the outside, but there's some rotten stuff going on on the inside. 
My home looks okay on the outside. When everybody's looking at me, it looks all right, but there's something rotting, decaying on the inside. There's even some stuff that may be good that I may need to say no to and cut out of my life because it is hindering my marriage. It is hindering my parenting. It is hindering me being fruitful in the body of Christ. It is hindering me as being fruitful in all areas of my life. And so what happens is God the Father is the one who knows how to look at our lives, look at his church and say, you know what? That's living, but if it remains there, it's going to hinder the quality of the fruit. He's able to do that. And here's the thing. This is why I said that we must respect or reverence the role of the vine dresser. The father is the vine dresser. We cannot assume to do his job thinking we know better than he does, trying to decide what should be cut and what should remain. Hello, somebody. You see, the problem is, and I love this, is that God clears it up for us, so it shouldn't be a problem. Jesus is the true vine. God the Father is is the vine dresser, and we are the branches. The problem is the branches oftentimes are trying to tell the vine dresser, hey, man, cut here, don't cut there. In our own lives, we, you know, we go through situations. See, this is the reason why I always, when I talk about work scenarios, I use those because we see those, and those are a little bit more fluid where we have a little bit more capacity. Like, you can't just switch wives every week. Hello. You should not be amen somebody, right? I'm just saying, can I get a couple of amens up in here? You can't just amen husbands. You should have been like, glory to God, bishop. I don't want to switch wives at all. So... The thing is, you can't just switch wives. You can't just go and say, well, you know what? I'm sick of her, so I'm going to move on. And, you, you know, you can't just switch husbands. I know there's shows that are like trading wives. It ain't that, that's not reality. I know they call it a reality show. That's not reality, right? You don't just say, hey, man, hang out with her so you can appreciate her. No. So here's the thing, though. In our work scenarios, right, we get, and, and this happens to us. I mean, I've been there, you know, done that, you know, where you get this new job, and I mean, every, you, you were praying, and the Holy Ghost was all up in you. I'm just saying, you were feeling God up in this piece. I mean, you were like, God, thank you for this job. You were testifying to people. I got a testimony. I got a praise report, and you got this job, and everything was just falling into place, right? And then you get into this workplace, and everything is, is okay, and then suddenly things begin to get a little bit difficult. Things aren't like they were, like when you were getting the job, like it's not so amazing. And then for some reason, immediately for most of, for many of us, not all of us, for many of us, the first thing we start doing is when we start to feel the pressure of the situation, we start thinking, man, do I need a new job? Do I need to start looking somewhere else? We start to feel the pressure of those difficult situations in our lives. It can be the same thing in other relationships that we have. We start to feel the pressure and all of a sudden we take the position of vine dresser rather than branch. We take the position and we say, okay, you know what, I th- you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to just start praying and just asking God, like, you know, remove me or remove them or remove this person or do that. And God is like, no, that's not my will. My will is to prune you through them. My will is to make you holier through them. My will is to teach you patience through them. My will is to teach you unconditional love through them. My will is to teach you forgiveness through them. But you and I want to say, God, remove every vessel that's going to teach me anything, that's going to prune me in any way, because pruning is painful. But I said it earlier, it's also necessary. Pruning is not something that anybody wants to hear or anybody wants to go through because it is a difficult process. I love the book, and for those of you that went to the marriage retreat, we got the book, and it's called Sacred Marriage, and it talks about what? What if your marriage was meant to make you holy, not happy? Oh, hallelujah. And listen, it gives you the false idea that, like, the two are separated. Like, you can't be happy and holy, right? That's not the, that, that's not the mindset. The point is that some people put happiness before holiness. Some of us want to be happy, and we feel like, well, I'm happy, so I'm more holy. That's not true. You're just not pressed, so that unholiness comes out. See, when you're happy and everything is good, you don't have that pressure that's coming at you. You don't have those things that bring out those ugly thoughts or those ugly words or those ungodly actions. Hello. See, when no one's pushing your buttons, it's easy to be holy. Amen, somebody. I'm just saying, I'm, I, I know that when, when, when there's nobody agitating you, it's easy to remain righteous. It's easy to remain pure. But when you got someone that you have to see every day at 8 a.m., come on now. When you're stuck in a project for three months, right, with someone, like you got to get this project done. You're like, man, let's get this thing done. Glory to God. So we can get out of this. Because what? Because now this pressure pushes out. I'll tell you this. My dad told me all the time, man, you squeeze a sponge and you're going to see what's really in it. 
It may look like it's something else, but you squeeze that sponge and what's in it is coming out. And it's the same thing for our lives. And so what does God the Father do? See, God the Father is gracious to us because he gives us those difficult people, those difficult situations because he loves us. Because he loves us. And he wants us to do what? To see the ugly so we can repent and trust his grace. That's what he wants us to do. That's why it's a time of pruning. That's why we were in our connect group, our last connect group of the year. We were talking and there was just people confessing. I mean, glory to God, we had tears flowing. I mean, amen, somebody. It was a beautiful time as people were confessing, as the Lord was dealing with their hearts and God was showing, listen, there's some stuff that I want to cut out. There's some things. And so you might be in this place and God has been trying to prune you. He's been trying to purge stuff from you. He's been trying to get thoughts and mindsets and stuff out of your life and you've been holding on to them. And today God is calling you to repent, Recognize what he's saying is it is me who has been dealing with you. It is me who's allowed this pressure to bring this out so that way I can do what? So I can cut that away, not because it's over, but so we can have a new beginning. So we can bring forth more fruit into your life. And so we want to be those branches that don't try to do what? We don't want to do the vine, the vine dresser's job. We don't want to do the father's job. We want to let the father do his job because you know what? He knows where to cut. And can I tell you something? I can, I, I've, been a, I've been a Christian for 20 years, and I have seen so many people who have allowed themselves to decide they're going to do the pruning instead of God do the pruning, and their lives ain't looking right. They've allowed themselves to make decisions for themselves instead of going ahead and really learning to depend on Jesus Really learning how to be in with God. Really learning how to pray. Listen, you need, let me, let, let me encourage you. In this new year that's coming up, you should really commit yourself to praying like never before. I'm just going to encourage you to do that. And when I say praying like never before, I mean learning to lock yourself in a closet with Jesus when you're praying about life-changing situations. Learn to lock yourself up with him so the way he can alter your heart before you make any kind of steps and any kind of decisions. You need to become that person that says, God, I really want to depend on you. I really want to meditate on you, on your word. I really want to be in with you, and I want to hear from you. And that way my steps are solid and not fickle. That way my steps are firm, and I'm not wavering in my faith. I'm not wavering in my decisions, but I know what you're directing. I know what you're saying. I know what you're communicating. That's what we need to be, those kind of people who are connected to the vine and who are in the vine dresser's hands and who are allowing God to prune us and pluck us and remove whatever he needs to remove. Amen? Amen. The third thing I ask you to repeat after me say, we must remain in our role as branches. Let's read verses 2 through 11. We read some of these verses. We're going to read them again together, and then we'll wrap this up. He says here, he says, every branch, say every branch. So that's all of us. That's all of the branches. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit. Not all of us don't bear fruit, but every branch that is in me that, 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 um, that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch, there it is again. So that's why I said every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. And so he's speaking to his disciples and he's saying, look, you have already been pruned. You have already been purged, right? That's what he's communicating to them. He said, you're already clean. I've already cleaned you up. But does he say they're already clean and they're just done? Is that what he's saying? No, because he continues on talking here. But he's communicating and letting them know, you are my disciples. You are my children. He goes on and he says this. He says, abide in me and I in you. Okay, so you are clean and that way you can do what? So you can abide. Say abide. So he says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Powerful, powerful verse, important for us to recognize, we must abide in him. If there is one thing that is our role as branches, is that we must position ourselves. Abiding is positional. We must position ourselves. God cleans us by his word. He cleans us by the power of the gospel. He shows us, our, he shows us his holiness, his righteousness. He shows us our sinfulness. He shows us our destination because of our sin is separation from him. And then he shows us what he does in order to deliver us from our sin and and from the separation from him for all of eternity by him coming to die in our place, shedding his blood for us. And that way we no longer have to fear death. We no longer have to fear judgment. But we can do what? We can look forward to spending eternity with God the Father because when I repent of my sin that is in contrast to his holiness and I give my life to him and surrender my will to his and he fills me with his spirit, now I am given a new name. I am given a 
new nature and I am empowered with this abundant life to do what? To live for the glory and the honor of Jesus to bear fruit. But here's the thing. If you are not connected to Jesus, and here's the deal. If you have not repented of your sin and put your faith in Jesus, you are not connected to him. Are you hearing me? If you have not trusted him with all of your heart, you are not connected to him. Listen, I don't care how connected you are to the church. Just because you come to church does not make you connected to Jesus. I don't care how holy your husband is or your wife is. That does not make you connected to Jesus. I don't care how holy your family is, how righteous they are. I don't care how many generations go back that they follow Jesus. That does not make you a branch. The only way you become a branch that is going to bear fruit is by putting faith in Jesus. It is by repenting of sin. And so what I'm saying is that if you have not put your faith in him, today is the opportunity. Because listen, y'all, there are two branches in here. There are the branches that don't bear fruit, and there are the branches that do bear fruit. And if you are a branch that does not bear fruit, according to the scriptures that we'll look at, you will be cast away. And when he's talking about burned, he's talking about eternal fire. Listen, Jesus died because he doesn't want you to experience eternal fire, eternal suffering, eternal consequence. He wants you to experience eternal life. Verse 5 says, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. For without me you can do nothing. Listen. You can do a lot of things in this world, but anything of eternal value can only happen as a result of the life of Jesus being lived through you. There are plenty of people out there. They have lots of money. They have lots of things in this world. And it would seem like, well, they've done a lot without Jesus. You're right. They've done a lot without Jesus, and they're going to spend a long time without Jesus. And so as, as, as believers... The way that we bear fruit is through us being connected to, to being connected to the vine, which is Jesus. Verse 6 says, if anyone does not abide in me, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If anyone does not abide in me, if anyone doesn't position themselves, if anyone doesn't stay near, if anyone doesn't stay in communion with, if anyone doesn't stay in alignment with Jesus, they are cast out. They wither. And then they experience this burning for all of eternity. Verse 7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Now we're talking about this abiding thing. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. How, what he's saying is you're going to have answered prayer here. This is what he's communicating. Answer to prayer is a result of what? It is a result not of positive thinking, not of you focusing in on that thing that you want. Man, that's demonic. The way that you get answer to prayer is by you knowing what God's word says so you know what to ask for hello you want you want God's will for your life you want answered prayer start asking things that are according to God's will that's what it means to abide abiding in him he goes on and says by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples as the father loved me I also have loved you abide in my love if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And verse 11 says, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, that you, that your joy may be full. And so what we have here is, is we need to understand, branches are believers individually and the church collectively. And so we must see ourselves as an individual branch, yet as a collective cluster of branches brought together to bring forth fruit and understand that together we will bear more fruit than alone. And so we need to see ourselves in both ways. We need to see ourselves, one, you are a branch. You have a personal relationship with Jesus. You have a personal responsibility unto the Lord. And God wants to prune your life and make you fruitful and cause you to bring glory and honor to him. But on the same token, you need to see yourself as part of a cluster of branches, as part of the body of Christ. Anybody who is part of the body of Christ and is connected to the church the way the Bible teaches we should be must see ourselves as part of a cluster of of branches, and God wants all of us as a cluster to bear more fruit for his glory and for his honor. Amen. 
He wants us to bear fruit as individuals, but as we bear fruit individually, we will automatically and by default bear fruit together. Our primary goal is what? It is to do one thing, the role. The role for us that we see here is that we abide in the vine. So how can we tell? Here's the question. How can we tell when we are abiding in Christ? Is there a special feeling? I feel like I'm abiding today. That's an abiding feeling. Is that, is that true? Is that, is, that, is that reality? Because uh, is, is I, I don't always feel like I'm abiding. I'm just saying. Right? Is it, did, he, he never said anything about feeling here. He didn't say anything like that. What he said was we were supposed to abide. And so he doesn't give us any feelings, but there are evidences that appear that are unmistakable and clear. And so you'll know, are you abiding? These are the way that you can find out if you're abiding. The first thing is you produce fruit. So are you fruitful? Do you produce fruit? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And so do those things manifest in your life, the love, the joy, the peace, the pa- do those things manifest in your life? We'll talk a little bit more about the fruit, but the first thing is your life is fruitful. In other words, people see Jesus in you. People see a changed life in you. People are seeing the fruit when they have conversation with you. When you're engaging with them, they see something in you. The second thing is you experience the Father's pruning so that you will bear more fruit. So the second thing is, are you experiencing the Father's pruning? Pruning is what? Pruning is sometimes painful. Most of the time it is. Is God calling you to to greater sacrifice more and more? Are you here? I know we don't want to hear that, but that's the truth. Are we hearing God call us to leave more things and say no to more stuff? Is God calling you to do that? Because if he's not, then I have to question, is he pruning you? Do you see where God is trying to remove certain things from your life? Is it clear? Is it evident? Should be. Because if we're abiding in him, then you know what he's doing? He's saying, you're bearing fruit. And what he tells his disciples, you're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and what? You're going to bear more fruit. And my father's going to do what? He's going to prune you. He's going to cut away things that are hindering that fruit in your life from being more abundant being more fruitful in all areas. Third thing here is that believers, the, the believer is abiding in Christ, has his prayers answered. So you're hearing your prayers answered. Listen, I'm not talking about no. No is an answer. Say no is an answer. I'm not talking, God shouldn't be saying no to you all the time. Amen? Some people, that's the only answer they hear from God. No. Can I have this? No. Can I have that? No. Why? Because they're asking outside of God's will. They're asking things selfishly. God says no also. I know some people don't think no is an answer, but no is an answer. You try to teach your children that, right? I remember growing up, my mom was, the word that I knew how to spell best was no. Like N-O. Do you understand no? Because I was persistently asking for things that she was saying no to. And so I had to learn that answer. No, wait is also an answer, but sometimes we mistake no with wait. I don't know why, but we do. Somehow we think, you know, and you, 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 can, you can testify to this with your children. You tell them no, and they come back an hour later thinking maybe that was wait, not no. And can I tell you something? It's the same thing with us as Christians and with our daddy in heaven. We come to daddy. We talk to him about something. He's like, nope. And you're like, okay. And then you walk away. You have peace. And then, you know, the difficulties come up, and you go back into prayer, and maybe God was saying, wait, nope. He was saying no. I know, you, you know, it's funny with our kids, but it's the truth with us. So God the Father deals with us, and we have to learn to take that. But when I'm talking about prayers answered, like you are praying in the will of God, and you are praying things according to God's will, and God begins to answer questions, answer your prayers. The other day I was having lunch with someone, and it was a blessing to me because I've been praying about something specific, and when I had this conversation with this person, it was like I could see my prayers being answered in front of me. It's a beautiful thing to see God working in our lives like that. And God works. And listen, it's not always like the next week or the next day or immediate. There's sometimes that it happens. But here's the thing. Our prayers should be being answered in our lives. That's part of you you and I being a branch. Another thing is we experience a deepening love for Jesus and for other believers. So are you abiding in the love of Christ? Are you abiding in his love? Are you growing in your love for him? Are you growing in your understanding of the gospel that we just talked about a few moments ago? The holiness, the the, the sinfulness, the, the death of Jesus, and the new life that we have in him. Are you becoming more and more overwhelmed at the sacrifice Jesus made for you? Are you becoming more and more overwhelmed at the graciousness and goodness of your God? And as a result, growing in your love for him. But not just that, but are you growing in your love? 
love for your brothers and sisters? These are all indications. Am I abiding? I mean, I hope you're like writing notes and being like, yes, no, no, yes. I, I hope that you're answering some questions. You're not just waiting for me to finish this point. Truth is, are you abiding? And the third thing is this. He also experiences joy. Not just the joy that is like someone else, you know, gives, but a joy that is a lasting joy. Verse 11, look at verse 11. I'll just point you to this one. He says, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. And so what he says is, I spoke these things to you so the way I could deposit my joy in you. I'm going to put my joy in you. But then he says, so your joy may be full. He's talking about us experiencing what he deposited in us. You see, as I abide in Jesus, as I obey his commands, as I live for his glory and his honor, as I grow in his love, there's something else that occurs. Even through the process of of purging and pruning, you know what I'm experiencing? His joy. I'm experiencing a joy that it doesn't make any sense to anyone who's looking at my life from the outside. But if they're looking at it from the inside out, they see that there's someone else sitting on the throne of my heart and he provides me with this joy that continues to overflow in my life. I said we talk about this fruit. Turn to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10, and this is the last portion of Scripture we'll look at. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10. And actually, we'll start in verse 9. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. When you got it, say so. It says, For this reason we also... Since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And verse 10 is the focal point here, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being fruitful in every good work. You see, our fruit is seen in the works that we do. And the works that we do with our spouse, with our children, and the works that we do at work, and the works that we do with our neighbors, and the works in the things that we do to show them love. We have one neighbor, they, he texted me the other day, and, he, and they, 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 I think they're the most awesome neighbors that we have. Um, I, always tell, I, I, I always tell my wife when I communicate with them that we're horrible, they're amazing. That's just the truth. They're great examples for us. One year we were sitting in the house and we're sitting there, lights are off and in, in the inside and a knock on the door or the doorbell rings and my neighbor's coming over with a pecan pie. I'm like, glory to God. <laughs> like, I love pecan pie and he just brought me one. The next year we're standing outside and he's walking around with his sons and he's got these big tins and they made all this popcorn. I'm like, glory to God, I love caramel popcorn. And then this year he sends me a text message and he's like, boom, you know, he's like, hey man, popcorn's running a little bit late. It should be there in about an hour and 30 minutes. And I was like, man, you pop, man, you're amazing. <laughs> Y'all got that. I know you got it. It was good. Amen. It's like, you guys are awesome, right? Just amazing neighbors. And, and, and those are little works that show the fruit. I didn't even know this guy was a Christian. I didn't know he was a Christian until, you know, a few years later. And, you know, and obviously my wife told me he's outside with his Jesus shirt. I'm like, really? Glory to God. And then he started bringing pies. I was like, amen. He put, you know, faith with works. Amen. He just did it all. I'm just, (laughs) the point is his works, okay? And so it's the same thing for us, our works. So what do your works look like? Are you bearing this good fruit? Are your works demonstrating the works of Jesus in your life? Because when we look at Colossians, it gives us a general meaning of the fruit that we must bear. And the more that we abide in Christ, the more fruit we bear. And the more fruit we bear, the more the Father has to prune us so that the the quality keeps up with the quantity. Are you hearing me? The more fruit we bear, the more he has to prune our lives. The more fruit we bear. That's the reason why I communicated this, because faith don't hear me when I say this. We have been fruitful up until this point. God has done good stuff. He is working in lives. You're seeing people being baptized, people ministering in different areas. That is being fruitful. But what he says is, hey, if you're going to be more fruitful, I got to prune. If you're going to be more fruitful, i got to cut some things away. If you're going to be more fruitful, I have to remove some stuff because I want to bring more fruit and more quality fruit out of you. And so my encouragement is, man, allow God to bring more fruit out of your life. Allow God to bring more fruit out of our lives and realize that it starts at this level. It starts with pruning. 
What is it that God is trying to deal with you on? What is he trying to remove? Left to itself, the branch might produce many clusters, but they will be inferior in quality if we're not pruned. So we can see a bunch of stuff that's happening. We can see a bunch of ministries that are going on. We can see a bunch of stuff that looks really great. But if God is not pruning us, we're not going to be more fruitful. God is glorified by a bigger crop, but also a better crop. Amen? Stand to your feet and let's pray together. The most important question, the most important question is what type of branch are you? That's the first and most important question. What type of branch are you? Are you a branch that is bearing fruit? If you are a branch that is bearing fruit, you need to pray because there are some other branches that are not bearing fruit. And if you are a branch that is not bearing fruit, today is a day that you can put your faith in Jesus. Today is a day that you can, don't wait for 2015, you can end 2014 walking with Jesus from this day forward as his believer, as his son, as his daughter, with your whole heart submitted to him. What kind of branch are you? And for those of you that are branches, what is it that God wants to prune out of your life? What is it that he wants to prune out of your life? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word that is truth. We thank you so much for your power. We thank you so much for your grace. And God, today we just come together, my Lord, before you as your people, my God. We come to you today, Lord God, as those who are in need of you. We recognize, God, that you are the true vine, that you, Heavenly Father, are the vine dresser, and that we are your branches, my God. And Father, it is my prayer that even as you are telling us, Lord God, that you want to prune, Lord God, you want to remove those things that will hinder us from being maximal in our fruitfulness, Lord God. We pray today, and I ask, my Lord, that we would be responsive to you, my Lord, that we would recognize what you are saying doesn't belong in our lives, that we would recognize what you are saying needs to be removed, Lord God, that you would recognize, that we would recognize what it is that is sucking life instead of giving life, my God, that we would recognize, Lord God, what is hindering you from forward progress in our lives as individuals and even as a church, my God. For us as leaders, God, give us your wisdom and your grace as you prune us, Lord God. Let us remain faithful in your hands, Lord God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would direct us and guide us and all that we do, my God, and I ask you to be glorified. And Father, I pray for the ones that are in here, my God, that may be branches that are not bearing fruit. Father, today I pray that they would put their faith in you. Today, I pray that they would repent of their sin. Today, I pray that they would recognize their desperate situation separated from you. I pray, God, that they would surrender their lives to you today and that they would recognize you as Lord, as sovereign God, as King, as Savior, as ruler, my God, that they would recognize you as the one that loves more than anyone else can love, God. Father, today, bring salvation, Lord God, and be glorified in our lives, Lord Jesus. We thank you, and we bless you today. We give you all praise. In Jesus' good name, someone said, come on, give God a hand of praise. He's worthy.